It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 235, Esther, Part 2. The name Hadassah means myrtle, bride, star. And one could really run with the symbolic meaning of the bride of Christ. It's like Hadassah examining every detail. And what's interesting is that she's given a Persian name as well, and it's Esther, which means star. And it comes from one of their gods, Ishtar. She's bright, shining, She's God's illumination in a dark time. And there's another thing that makes Esther pretty fascinating. It's the point that the name of God is never mentioned in the entirety of the book. God's hand is all over the story, but his name is never mentioned. It's the infiltration of a demonic system that God conducts without the overt preaching of the gospel. It's a fascinating account of a woman who wisely hides her identity to save her people. A person who hides her true self in order to fulfill a greater purpose, a higher calling. It's not the picture of uh, faithful to the end Daniel or aggressive King David or Moses coming off the mountain. It's a story of a star which hid her true strength and light until the most appropriate time to reveal the maximum impact of God's power and redemptive nature. Our story continues. Esther runs to the throne. Esther 5. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. From the wording, the throne of Xerxes has three parts, the outer court, inner court, and secured all-powerful throne. Esther wasn't even allowed in the inner court. She definitely wasn't allowed at the throne. Josephus gives the powerful account we see in the movies of her running all the way to the throne, a place she shouldn't be. The movie One Night with the King has an awesome scene where she bursts upon the, the inner court and then she runs to the throne, running through the rain, and Xerxes intervenes before she loses her head by extending the royal scepter. Esther 5. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. And when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her his golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and and touched the tip of the scepter. So according to the biblical account, she goes to the inner court, and that's where she receives permission to go to the throne. The story really tells us all we need to know. He extends his scepter, for she boldly went where she shouldn't have gone, and then she was allowed even greater access all the way to his throne. She was bold in her audacity to approach him uninvited after the miserable results of what happened with Vashti. Isn't this a magnificent picture? We have a commonality of heroic women to date in the Bible and our Esther here. They petition, sometimes boldly, sometimes with audacity, breaking the rules of the day, sometimes with raw intensity, 
sometimes with a tenacity that will not let go. The daughters of Salofa had petitioned for their inheritance and received it by bold audacity. Ruth petitioned Naomi to change her faith and heritage to hers and received it by sheer determination, not willing to let go. Hannah, though barren, received a child by intense, raw intercession. Abigail canceled a death sentence through her bold intervention to the point of death. Aksa received a double inheritance by petitioning her father. It's not the only representation of women, of course, in the Bible. Deborah was an intense prophetess. Miriam led the worship party of over two or three million people. There is Eve and Sarah and so many others that, that talked to God or the angel of the Lord. But this scene right here is the most common scene of heroic women in the Bible. The scene of petitioning before a judge or, or someone in authority. See, these women petitioned at the throne or a place of power, a judgment, a place of intercession, and they displayed it with grace, and we see awesome results. The king answers, Esther 5, 3. Then the king answered, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half my kingdom, it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet I prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asked. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared, and they were drinking wine. The king asked again. He asked Esther, Now what is your petition? It will be given to you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom it will be granted. Esther replied, My petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. So Esther has this banquet, and the king asks again, and she says, um, Come again tomorrow. Now, why this happens the way it does? Did she not have the courage to say something the first time. Um, I'm not really sure, but they actually hold the banquet again. Um, and, and I would probably say it was God's timing because what's about to happen. Now, Esther probably wants to get away from the crowd. That's the reason why she has a banquet um, just for the three. And there's a wisdom that she actually invites Haman as well. Now, the day of judgment is fast approaching. I um, mean, Haman is getting amped up for the day when he gets to destroy his ancient enemy. After the banquet, this occurs. Esther 5, 9. Haman went out that day happy and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate, observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. Calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him. And now he had been elevated but of all the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave. And she has invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction as long as I see the Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gate. His wife's arrest and all his friends said to him, Have a pole set up, reaching to a height of 75 feet, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go to the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. This suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the pole set up. So the next morning, Haman's going to ask for permission to have Mordecai publicly impaled on a seven-and-a-half-story pole high in the air for all to see. But what happens next is just so God. 
In the morning, Haman's going to go get Mordecai killed. But the night before this happens, Esther 6. That night the king could not sleep. So he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. It was found recorded here that Mordecai had exposed the two men who tried to kill him in the assassination plot. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. The king said, Who is in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai in the pole he had just set up for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. And when Haman entered, the king asked, What should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, Who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, For the king delights to honor. Have them bring a royal robe the king has worn, and a horse the king has ridden, one for the royal crest placed on its head, and then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor, and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse, and do just as you suggested for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So Haman got the robe and the horse. He robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, This is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Afterward, Mordecai returned to the king's gate. But Haman rushed home and with his head covered in grief and told Zeresh his wife and all his friends everything that had happened to him. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai, before whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin. You cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. While they were still talking with them, the king's eunuchs arrived and carried and hurried Haman away to banquet Esther had prepared. The end is near for Haman, according to his own family. But Queen Esther must be terrified of the upcoming event. For such a time as this, for such a time as this, she must have said over and over as she prepared the meal with the king and Haman. Esther 7. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet, and they were drinking wine on the second day. The king asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It shall be given to you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, If I found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people, that is my request, for I, my people, have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had been merely sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet, because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is he? The man who has dared to do such a thing. Esther said, An adversary, an enemy, this vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, went out in the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Esther just came out and did it. She just said it. She wanted her life because she and her people were to be sold, killed, or annihilated. She just got up and said it like it was. It must have been like lightning went through the place when she stood with boldness and declared the truth. There, there's some like paintings of this where like she stands up, her fingers pointing at Haman, and the king can't believe what he's hearing, and Haman is just called on the mat. 
And she probably started with a simple petition and then pointed at a humbled Haman who melted with their accusation. The king's reaction was horror, for the man he trusted was going to kill his queen. He stormed out out of there in fury and retrieved his trusted guards who were never far behind. It says Haman stays behind to beg for his life, and this is probably the case. But when the king returns, his words indicate Haman intended harm upon the queen. Esther 6, 8. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the the queen while she is with me in the house? Trying to figure out what happened here, one Jewish tradition account says something interesting. It says that an angel came and pushed Haman onto the queen the moment the king returned. Call it divine coincidence what happened. The king in his fury went from furious to violent when he returned. And as soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching to a height of 75 feet stands by Haman's house. He'd set it up for Mordecai, who who spoke up to help the king. The king said, Impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai, and the king's fury subsided. The king went on to give Haman's estate to Esther. He gave Haman's position to Mordecai. Esther begged the king to abolish the statute of their destruction, and then the king wasn't able to do this because a king's law could not be repealed. Then he issued a new decree allowing the Jews to defend themselves and to be held up with honor. It even went so far as to say anyone who attacks the Jews will be subject to them, for the Jews will have full rights to kill and annihilate them and to seize their property, those that attack the Jews. Esther 8.15 When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold and purple robe of fine linen, and the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews it was time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor, And in every province and every city to which the edict of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews with feasting and celebration. And many people of their nationalities became Jews because of the fear of the Jews had seized them. And what happens next is interesting. And while the Jews had seen thousands assemble around them to destroy them, the Bible says they turned the tables on them. Five hundred of their enemies were killed in Susa. And this was most likely the mercenary or Gestapo army of Haman. And in addition, the ten sons of Haman were killed. Outside of Susa, there was battle-sized casualties. Most of it was probably around Jerusalem. I would imagine the Ammonites, Moabites, and Edomites, maybe even some Egyptians and Syrians, were poised to destroy Jerusalem for its spoils. Potentially surrounding it with an army, there was. Instead, the Jews attacked and slaughtered 75,000 of them. Mordecai issued a decree for the Jews to always celebrate what happened. And the event would become known as the Celebration of Purim, celebrated even today. Though no specific mention of Purim is noted in the Bible, it's celebrated today as an important Jewish feast. We conclude this episode of Message to Kings with the tradition of Purim that is celebrated today in Jewish synagogues, Messianic Jewish synagogues today. We had a Jewish neighbors in Arkansas, and we went to their Purim celebration by invitation. The children dressed up, they, they brought gifts, and they publicly read the Esther story. And every time the name Haman was stated, there was noisemakers and booing that occurred. They prayed and enjoyed a meal together, and it's celebrated on the 
uh, 14th day of the Hebrew month of Adar of the lunar calendar, around mid-February. We went to another celebration at a Messianic Jewish congregation celebrating it um, in Seattle, and they normally include a salvation message and then tie the story to the New, Me- the New Testament. Beyond this, the experiences are pretty similar. It's enjoyable, it teaches the story, and it's fun for the family. And it's an amazing story told by God with great heroes Esther and Mordecai set right after the Persian Wars and the refounding of Israel. May we find inspiration in Esther. May we all find inspiration in the character who runs to the throne of grace and petitions and receives not only a heart's cry, but divine justice in every area of her life. Every weapon formed against us will not prosper. When the thief comes, he must flee in seven directions. May divine justice be passed on our behalf, and may the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us and establish the works of our hands. Wouldn't it be something if there was thousands of Esthers out there? There doesn't have to be a threat of a holocaust. Just men and women of God who believe like her and run to God with their concerns, threats, attacks of the enemy, uh, and such who run to the throne to petition him for mercy and grace. Powerful women of God who are raised up to confront the threats and attacks and the plans of the enemy. The Hamans of the world and politics and business in every area of life. Women of God who through prayer tear down strongholds and turn moments of disorder and chaos on its head and bring blessing and favor. God, come, do it again. All over this earth. Come, Lord Jesus, and do wonders like you did before. You are the master storyteller. Build up your heroes today. Release your blessings and favor upon your people to tear down the works of the enemy. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com. Share the Facebook page or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.